This is another episode of the Annoyed Not Offended podcast. For people who are never in a bad mood, everyone else is just annoying. And I'm your host, Sydney. Let's dive into what's getting under our skin this week. Okay, so uh, welcome back, you guys, for another episode of the Annoyed Not Offended podcast. We are back, and you guys, I actually have guests this week, like... Your girl is putting in work behind the scenes. I told producer, host, executive producer, all of the above. Um, As always, I'm your host, Sydney, discussing the latest and greatest in the news of what has gotten on my nerves this week. Y'all already know something. Um, But again, y'all are in for a good episode because I went out of my way to vet the perfect guest for this episode for a conversation I have been wanting to have because y'all know that's how my mind works but seriously I am joined by friends um ironically these are friends I made while working (laughs) and this is where we're going to be talking about today but seriously like I feel like we we have so much in common but our our best trait is that we're hilarious like I have not met I have not met anybody, but like just in a work setting, how we collaborate and talk to each other. Like, again, I have to like them because we don't even work together anymore. And I still have them on this show. But you guys, I am happy to introduce today Rodney and Jan. Do you guys want to give a quick introduction? Yes, Uh, Rodney, you go first, because I'm going to use that time to think. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, Well, Rodney Pruitt. Uh, born and raised in St. Louis, Missouri, uh, went to St. Louis University, graduated there with uh, both a bachelor's and a master's in communication and minors in African-American studies and film studies. Been working in corporate America for about 10 years, about a decade now, which is weird to say. Um, worked at, in higher education, worked in public relations, integrated marketing communications at agencies. Um, and currently I'm actually working at a nonprofit that is based out of Chicago and I will be moving to Chicago this spring. God, I love that. Okay, I guess I I should go now. Um, So following Rodney's lead or piggybacking in in the corporate (laughs) world, a very popular term. Um, So I'm Jen Fowler, um, also from St. Louis, um, along with Rodney and Sydney. Uh, St. Louis is the best room one for all day for life. Um, I... Gosh, I'm trying to like figure out all the things that you said, Rodney. Um, born and raised in St. Louis, went to University of Missouri, Mizzou. Um, like most of the population of Missouri and graduated from their J school, studied um, strategic communication with an emphasis in public relations. Um, immediately after graduating from Mizzou in 2019, moved to Chicago, uh, bounced around. Um, I'm at my third kind of agency now. Um, and so started in PR and now I'm kind of doing consulting and employee engagement. So, which is real fun. And so I've been in the corporate world for, I guess, like three, four years now. And it's a cool time. It pays the bills. It gets the job done. Thank you yes. for having us. Sydney. Yes. Yeah, and you see, I got people that have the credentials. Y'all hear how they say like masters. I have a strategic communications, like the people that get it, get it. But seriously, these people have the credentials and that's why they are on today. And you know, too, they're going to talk some shit. So we go jump right into the show. <laughs> Starting with the very first segment of the show, we have a fed up or f-ed up. So for any new listeners, you know, this is a segment about what really grinds 
our gear as it allows my listeners to get to know my guests better just because you know how do you learn people unless you know what gets under their skin um mine is fairly quick I'll start off but fairly quick it's something I talked about before but you know what still fraudulent it's just a lot of fraudulence happening uh back in June of 2022 I was robbed (laughs) I was robbed y'all but I was robbed at the airport I don't know if I told y'all this but like I had been visiting no. family in Atlanta for the weekend, was traveling back to St. Louis. I checked my luggage. And once I got back home, I noticed my makeup bag was gone and my two Telfars. I was devastated. I immediately put in a claim and, you know, sent in all of my stuff. But I, it is, it, it, we're recording this, it's January, 2023. Why is my claim still being reviewed? No, ma'am. No, ma'am. No, ma'am. It is still being reviewed. Um, Again, even submitting a claim with my ass. Like, one, I was already upset my stuff was gone. But I had to get receipts. I had to get my luggage tags. Even then, to show which airports I was flying in and out of. The value of my stuff. The fact that I have my stuff. Like, you just had to submit all of this proof of your claim. Like, evidence. And I'm pretty sure I spent probably even like 30 or 40 dollars to overnight it to where their headquarters are in like Virginia or DC but yeah you know and now I just have PTSD um (laughs) when I travel like yeah I'm carrying my valuables in the carry-on and this is the first time that that has ever happened to me and I've traveled internationally and stuff before but I never had anything come up missing from my suitcase like if anything was missing you know I'm clumsy I leave stuff behind it was on my behalf no these motherfuckers stole out my bag until I get taken the purses. Purses are cute, but my makeup, my makeup that was used, do oh, better. It's not even your shade. It's not even your oh, like, I don't know what they thought was in there, but it was literally just a few of my makeup brushes, some concealer and a few other items. Now, mind you, makeup is very, very expensive. Like makeup is expensive, but I'm just like you guys. Y'all got to do better. Um, and you know what? If you have my Telfar and my makeup, count your days. I'm sure karma has already gotten you. But let me get my hands on you. Let me get my hands on you. Let me get my hands on TSA. Because I, I need my money. But but yeah, that's that's my fed up or fucked up, y'all. Speaking of TSA, do you have TSA pre-check? I am poor. I do not. <laughs> <laughs> Or, you know, I'm lazy. I'm just going to say I'm lazy. I haven't put it in the stuff. I'm lazy, but. Okay. Okay. I'm about to say that's a godsend, but that is unfortunate that they stole your shit. Like the airport is a lawless place. That's what I always say. Lawless. People drinking at 7 a.m., people stealing shit. You're just like, I don't understand what's going on, but. That part. And the thing was too, I'm like, how, who do I know even took it? Cause I was leaving Atlanta and I was coming into St. Louis. And I mean, both of those airports, there was an opportunity there for them to go through my stuff. So even when I put it in, they're like, well, where are you putting a claim at? Wherever, whoever took my stuff, that's where I'm putting the claim at. It's either between these two. If I could go find them, I would, but y'all asking for more information than I have. <laughs> Sick. Sick. No. Um, like you said, count their days. The FBI, um, I'm, we're contacting them immediately. Uh, no, not on my watch. 
I don't think so. Yeah. Whatever we have to do to get that solved, we will. Or I am screaming. Karma? Karma's coming. Karma's coming. It has to. It has to. Like, I need justice to be served. I don't know if I got to go get Judge Mathis, Judge Judy, whomever. Judge I have to take you to Judge Mathis. Judge Mathis. 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 He going to call him a crackhead. Crackhead. It was you know, a crackhead. You a crackhead. I'm manifesting for them. God forbid they're a Beyonce fan, but they won't get Renaissance tickets. That's what I'm manis- manifesting for them. They won't get it. They'll sit in line for hours and hours and hours. They'll yes. get to the front of the line and it'll shut down. They're not getting tickets. Please. Karma. Please. Karma. You, cannot bl- you, can't, you can't bless people like that. But where are you guys' fed up or fucked ups for this week? Well, last week. Whatever. Last week? This week, last week, Rodney. I feel like I could have so many. Like, but Rodney, yeah, so many. I, I, it's no. like mine are crazy. I always have a story, but Rodney, please, you do always have a story, and I can't wait to hear your story. I don't think I have much that happened last week. Um, but one thing that I did notice that I'm fed up with, um, is just, and I know it's hard because everybody's going through a difficult time within the last, especially like three years but the service industry and kind of the lack of service that you get within the service industry. My mom and I went to this restaurant and we were Mm -hmm. just talking and saying, you know, like, Oh, hi, how's it going? And there were like a lot of young kids working and they just weren't saying anything, just like no interaction, no, hello, no, how are you? Just, it was, I don't, I don't know what it is, but there's like a disconnect in how service is kind of being, you know, taken care of in a lot of restaurants nowadays and working in a restaurant, coming up in a restaurant, you know, throughout college, um, I don't believe that the customer is always right. I don't believe that. But oh. I do believe that, you know, if someone is coming to a place for an experience, you should do your best to make sure um, that that experience is one that is memorable and good. Um, unless, you know, they're rude to you, whatever, you know, call the manager, take care of it on the side, whatever it might be. But I've been noticing a lot of the places that I've been going, just people just don't care about the experience anymore. Um, and that's been really frustrating and disappointing is mm. is the thing, especially like like I said, I've worked in I worked in the service industry even while I was working full time. Like I would still help out at the restaurant that I kind of grew up at started when I was 18 and until I was like 30, you know, I was kind of filling in there every now and then. Um, and it's disappointing and frustrating to see that people don't care about um, mm. providing as good of service as they could, you know, mm. and it's little things like saying hello um and you know you know just talking about the menu or um just greeting people and trying to have a little bit of conversation you ain't got to talk to me all day but you know just be be hospitable it's it's funny you say that because I promise you one of my friends sent me this TikTok I'm gonna have to send it to you but I feel like it's for a very specific audience but it's actually hilarious about like those waiters that don't say anything like they just come look at you and stare at you for a second and you're like, okay, you looking like, at me, I, or you go, help me? Like, are you, what? And then they just like, and then you tell them what you want, and then they just walk off. They disappear. Then they well, come back 30 minutes later, and you still like, okay, like, are we going to converse? Are we going to engage? Well, this one place that me and my mom went, we had been wanting to go there for a while, but when mm-hmm. it first opened, it was really busy. And all the reviews when it first opened were very positive. Now the reviews, if you look at them now, they're kind of, they've kind of gone downhill. And a lot of it is because of the service. Mm-hmm. So we go, we finally go. It takes us a long time to get seated, even though there's nobody in the restaurant. Um, and then the guy who was our server 
was fine up until he was like, hey, we're about to do shift change. And, you know, like, I just want to let you know. So if you want to put your ice cream in now, put it in now. And it's just kind of like, okay, like, can we have a minute to sit and breathe and think? Um, and then after he mentioned it that first time, he kept mentioning it and kept being like, okay, it's about, to, it's about to be shift change. It's about to be shift change. It's about to be shift change. And then he pushed kind of the bill on us and wanted us to check out right then. Um, mm-hmm. So, but you can sit here. It's just like, that's not really hospitable. That's not making us feel comfortable. Like I understand that you're trying to get out of here, but there's a way that you could have gone about this that was a lot nicer and a lot more friendly um, mm-hmm. than what he did. And now my mom and I won't be going back because it's just kind of like, screw that. Like that was just a bad experience. We've you know, been wanting to go here for a while. And now we just don't want to come back. Um, but yeah, it's, I don't, I don't know what needs to be done. If it's some training or if, you know, like I said, the service industry is not easy. I will say that it is not easy. Um, but I feel like there's some element that's missing in some of the, the dynamic dining experiences I've had within the last couple months. Hmm. And I'm frustrated about it. And that's valid. And I mean, I would also like you to send, if this restaurant is in St. Louis, I would love if you could send the name in our group chat. Um, oh, absolutely. Please, because absolutely. I didn't know if I told y'all, like, I'm planning to come home soon. And I mean, we'll get, Rodney, I was texting you about it. And obviously we'll talk, you know, off podcast, but um, we'll be making some plans. Um, but your feelings are valid. And like, oh, like, that's just so annoying, especially as someone coming up in the service industry, Rodney, to your point. But just in general, I agree, like service nowadays and just like the expected tip all the way down to like not to make it hierarchical not to make it a hierarchy or reinforce that but like a coffee shop like they make your coffee in front of you and then they want a tip they turn the ipad around and you're like oh or they get you a muffin (laughs) or a bagel and you're like oh like five dollar for in in the and it was already five dollars to begin with so i'm like and and then it feels like you got a gun in your head like if, if you don't tip like you're really sick um so when they ask me to donate this shit i'd be like no (laughs) and to be fair i do think that we need to reevaluate tipping culture in america because it's for sure but again i feel like it's bad but in a way oh no i feel like i'm definitely part of the generation that over tips because i remember at work i got in trouble for that when i had my corporate card i kind of over tipped and they was like uh and I was like, but I tip like this, like when I go out to eat. And it was like, no, you're only supposed to do like 16, 18 percent. And, and I did 20. And I did 20. And I was like, like to me, I can, OK, I'm not going to try to I wouldn't say like justify. But when I go to the coffee shop and stuff, if it's a local coffee shop, I don't mind tipping. But for other little stuff, I'm like, eh, y'all get y'all make enough. Y'all better complain to Dunkin or Starbucks, whatever. Uh, but when I go to a restaurant where I'm seating and getting like served, yeah, I try to leave them a good tip because again, I mean, working in the service industry on your feet for long hours and then customers are combative. Like even I remember one time I had to tell my grandma, relax, like you going in a little too hard on this 14 year old, like relax. Relax. The trauma I know the 14-year-old has the trauma. They are they had they might have been like 16 or 17, but still my grandma was going in on him a little too much. Just too much. Yeah. But oh yes, God. it is it is more of like you said, that readjusting to learning how to serve and learning how to be 
patient when customers come in. I worked in the service industry in college, um, unfortunately, at the St. Louis Zoo. And you would think people would be very happy at the zoo. Quite the contrary. Some of the most unhappy people I would see. Oh, yeah. They don't allow them damn kids. Absolutely. <laughs> but that would be, be the thing. But that would be the thing. Like, it, they would be arguing with us about stuff. And I'm like, you could bring your food in here. You're arguing with me about chicken nuggets, bro. Like, I don't care. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Like, I remember a man getting upset with me. And I was like, sir, do you want me to, like, remake your order? Do you want something different? And he was like, no. And we just stood there like that P. Diddy man. Yes, yes. We looked at each other like, what do you want me to do? I don't know what to do at this point. Oh, my God. Over chicken nuggets. Sick. Over chicken nuggets. Oh, my God. Your face didn't even. Yes, over chicken nuggets. Oh over chicken nuggets. But Jen, what was, Jen, what was yours? I don't think you you got into. Uh, oh what yes, your yes. So yes, I will do like a recent frustration that's been top of mind. To be fair, because it's like again, y'all know I have a million stories, literally at any point in time. But this, I just think, is so funny, um, and also like. To preface, not that this is necessary for like the listeners or viewers, like mm -hmm. this is something that frustrates me all the time, but someone recently made a TikTok calling it out. And I was like, finally, we're talking about this. So this might be very niche, but I feel like there's an epidemic on TikTok. I don't know if it's just because like the real Gen Zers are on there or just like the kids or like the younger generation, but like the learned helplessness on that app and the fact that everyone will be in the comments of a TikTok asking for something or asking for a link or asking for a code or asking for, and if you don't do it in 30 seconds, you're gatekeeping. These helpless children, I, for me, it literally, <laughs> I get violently angry. You post a TikTok, somebody will post a TikTok of a white tank top, a white tank top, and they'll be, oh my God, the most basic tank top. They, these children will be swarming in the comments talking about link, talking about, or if it's, it'll be two, two French breaks, tutorial, it'll be something so simple. And then the, the resources, or there'll be a song and a TikTok. They'd be like, what's the name of this song? It'll be in the caption, hashtag. And that's then, because they have not had to fight for anything. Think yeah. about us. We have to fight to learn or know about anything. It grinds my gears in a way like it truly make if I could go through every single TikTok like that or every single comment and respond, Google it. These kids don't want to Google. And it makes me violently like if I could flip every table in my home because of how and Google it. And then you tell them to Google everything. Like, I didn't you know what, though. That I feel like that is a great point because, too, I feel like people expect people to be, like, very responsive. And it's just like, damn, the person posted this 30 seconds ago. They will get to it because I even saw a video like that where a girl had her hair braided in a particular style. And people were like, oh, what's the hair? When I went through the comments, that was the first thing that popped up for me because that was a question. I'm like, oh, I wonder what kind of hair she used. Why did people ask that same question, like, 15 times? She can't, like... This is so what it is. at the top, and they and they will continue to ask. It is it is a phenomenon called learned helplessness. It's killing our children. It need our schools. They need to redo the curriculum. For me, and again, like I feel like I lie on like the other side of the like I'm very yeah. extreme on the other side. Like mm -hmm. if I'm in a store and can't find something, for example, I will 
fight so hard not to ask for help. Like I will do everything I can to find it on my own before I ask somebody for help. That's just me. But to, so it's like, like, let's use our tools. I'm a bit, don't ask me a rule of thumb for me. Don't ask me some shit you can Google. Don't now, do that. Now I actually might have to raise you on that by another thing that I see people do on TikTok a lot, which is hack. This is a hack. This is a hack. Oh, oh my God. Oh my God. It's like, we don't need a hack for it. Next is going to be a hack for tying your shoes. I have like, for showering correctly. Oh my God. Y'all don't know how to do any. Where are the life skills? I teach children. It's worse than George Bush. It's worse it, than George It's no just problem. like certain things. I don't feel like certain things are necessarily a hack. Like you might have found a different way to go about it, but it's not anything like oh. a hack. And I mean, I'm trying to think if there's anything in particular that I look at where they're always like, hack this, hack that. And I'm just like. It's like, Did y'all not grow up just scanning YouTube for hours, watching dumb videos? Like, y'all just get y'all shit in 15 seconds and y'all think that's it. I used to have to watch YouTube videos for them to have to get to the point and then see how they did it. And even then, sometimes I'll be impatient with YouTube. Like, I'm just going to figure out the shit myself. I might look a mess or I might mess something up, but still, I gave it a go. It's like, it damn, you, they post a recipe on TikTok. Um, and the kids be like, it'll, it'll be a pie recipe, anything. And somebody in the comments, I'm allergic to gluten. Can I still make this? No, you can't. Sit, sit, sit. Um, you can't then. They're like, I, I don't like cherries. Can I sub for something else? Man, try it. Or so Do I something completely like, different. I, I get literally physically angry. Like if you like turn it to the whole. Like when I see these comments, oh my god! Like the kids it's are not. Uh, what? It's the the instant gratification era. Very much that, and it's like we all instant answers. But like, God, y'all are literally we're losing recipes. Like, <laughs> get, like how are y'all gonna get through any schooling? College is gonna be hell for y'all. Any or any education beyond TikTok, we're, they are go be on TikTok like college do diploma do. <laughs> because then the fact that i saw i think it was either in 2022 or 2021 tiktok surpassing google as the the biggest search engine it is bigger than google which is and it's like i get like the search for real answers from a real person like i get that to some extent or like for example going back to the earlier point i made like um if you tell people to google something and they're acting stupid in the comments some of their responses will be well, I don't want to Google, like, I want to talk to a real person. And Google's not always trustworthy. So we don't know how to cite a story. We don't know how to how to cite a story. Failing. We're I mean, failing. Even with TikTok, who says that this person is trustful? That is telling you how to do this? Who, what, what's, what, what are That's their it. credentials? They think because it's a real person versus Google. Like, real people lie. A lie. They do not know how to... Discernment is... It's evaporating before our eyes. They don't know how to discern... Gee, oh, oh, it, it truly, it, I, I'm getting scratchy thinking about, whoo, whoo. I am screaming, I that am is screaming. My, that is my, like, rant. I'm so glad that this is, like, recorded. I hope oh, yes. that, like, someone reads this, like, a person who views this and is one of those type of people, Google it. Google it. Google, Google it. is trustworthy. Learn how to cite a source. 
Learn. I, I am screaming. You guys, well, you know what? We will get more in depth about some more of our pet peeves in the office because you know if anybody will get on your nerves like the place to get on someone nerves on somebody's nerves is at work um but moving on to the make it make sense segment you know okay we're talking about being black but not too black if that's a thing um but as i mentioned before you guys we are discussing being black in corporate America, I mentioned this that today's guests are dear friends I met while working. You know, we bonded so genuinely that we decided not to disown each other after we left. But seriously, I mean, you know, we we just learned to navigate the world that we were in in an interesting manner. I don't feel like at any point in time we haven't been true to ourselves. We even though we come from a similar background, we've had different experiences and but we've gone about, I feel like applying them in a similar way additionally we're all from st louis um and you know we are not we not nepotism babies like we don't come from a background of anything like oh my dad wells fargo svp nothing of that nature like we all had to get it how we could pull it up by pull ourselves up by our bootstraps but no seriously just work hard put forth an effort and you know over time we have learned to navigate the world of corporate through our black lens. And, you know, we've gone through, I feel like we've gone through a lot compared to past generations, um, Mm -hmm. just in terms of like what we've had to endure social issues wise, environmentally, economically, like we've seen a lot um, with through COVID George Floyd, so much more, even now an impending recession, like, and, and we know, too, so much of being Black in a predominantly white workspace comes with its own special kind of stress. <laughs> Not to say you won't be stressed out in a more, like, blue-collar industry or somewhere where you had to have more of a trade background, but I feel like with corporate America, it's a lot of politics to it. I feel like that's mm-hmm. a way to put it. It's a lot of politics to it, learning to work with people and different skill sets and different traits. And even then, personalities. Woo! It's a lot of those. It is a lot of personalities and egos. But we are going to get into that. So, you know, you know me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trying to be a scholar. Trying yeah. to do what I can. I'm just going to start off by throwing out some facts that I found while researching about being Black in corporate America. Um, Black professionals are nearly four times as likely as white professionals to say they have experienced racial prejudice at work. Um, Regional differences are also very stark with 79% of Black professionals in the Midwest saying that they have experienced prejudice at work. Um, while the numbers get slightly lower as you look to the West Coast, the South, and even the Northeast, which I thought was very surprising. Um, 43% of Black executives have had colleagues use racially insensitive language. Um, and nearly one in five Black professionals feel that somebody of their racist and ethnicity would never achieve a top position of their company. Now, I don't know if I spe- like especially agree with that last one, but again, these are all very interesting stats. These were collected by a study. I believe this was done at the end of... 2019 it was a survey but it is the being black in corporate america 
and intersectional exploration, but we'll jump right into it. Um, our backgrounds, as we said before, we are all from the Midwest, from St. Louis. Um, we've gone to different universities and have had different experiences, but we still come from a communications background, which I feel like is a predominantly white field. You know, I went into communications not so much with the aspect of wanting to change the world or anything of that nature, but like I'm somebody that likes consuming media. And my thought process was like, why not be behind how media is put out into the world and seeing those stories being made and so forth. But what would you say you guys' first introduction with corporate America and even like corporate was? Okay. Rodney, I don't know if you're thinking, I can go first if you're still noodling. You can go ahead, yeah. Noodling is such a corporate America for like, oh my God. Come on, terms. Come on. Piggyback. Noodle. Piggyback. Circle back. You can circle back to me after Jenny. Yes, Yes, please. please. Um, So I would say, like, so went to University of Missouri, and like, obviously, college is like, most people's first experience, like being introduced to different cultures, different ways of thinking, like Mm -hmm. everything is so big and new and especially going to like a huge state school. So like, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say like, I would say that was my first introduction into, I guess, like different mindsets and like different ways of thinking and like just diversity in general, diversity of thought, diverse people. So that's like, was my starting point, which I mentioned that because that was really important for me. Like, while I did grow up in St. Louis, like, St. Louis or the St. Louis experience is different for everybody, right? So like Sydney, even though like you're from North County, for example, we had like probably completely different experiences or like Rodney, like your St. Louis experience is different. And so I felt kind of sheltered in mine. And so going to, you know, a huge university was like the first stepping stone. And like, there were some introductions here and there with just like, mm-hmm. you know, learning to do things differently. And I guess like getting prepped for the corporate world, mm-hmm. but My first real, real corporate experience was Weber, which was with you guys and like, Mm -hmm. you know, working at an agency um, in 2019. And that was just like, and even though like Mizzou is a great school, they have a great J school and, you know, they work really hard to, I guess, like prepare you for the real world. Mm -hmm. I think everybody knows by now that like truly nothing can compare you for that. Like, unless Mm -hmm. until you're in it, like it's something you just have to be in, which is fine. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so being at Weber in St. Louis was my first like real introduction to corporate America and like an actual nine to five. And I remember being so tired that first week because my body wasn't used to it. It's like, what? Like, people do this every day. Oh now, yeah. Eight, nine hours. I remember coming home and going to sleep so fast. My mom had to check <laughs> on me. She was like, like, are you okay, Jin Jin? I'm like, no, I'm cool. I'm like, I, I'm not okay. Like, um, but just seeing, you know, the way people interact and like you know, kind of the conversations via email, via Teams, like kind of um, that hierarchy getting started, you know, being a junior member, a mid-level associate, a senior member, like mm-hmm. seeing that, you know, come into play and and kind of the different personas and performances that people put on in corporate America. And especially as a Black person, like um, you're, you don't just have to put on a performance, but you have to put on an Oscar worthy performance. Like it's the stakes are way higher um, for you to really succeed. Um, and it obviously differs in different corporate settings, like agencies are a different tier than, I don't know, like a consulting company. But like, mm-hmm. for me, it was just like, whoa, like people really act like this every day. Um, and and this is how it is. Like, uh, this is real life for a lot of people. So I hope that makes sense. 
Right. That makes sense. Um, no, that makes sense. And it's it's so interesting that you mentioned the performative because I think, like you said, in college, they kind of get you ready and they're trying to, they get you ready with the, the what's the word I'm looking for? The things that you need to know, how to write a press release, you know, yep. the, the basics, of social media, the basics. Yeah. But I think like, unless you have mentors in college or other black professors in college who have been through it um, and can help you say, okay, when you get out of here, these are some of the things you're going to encounter. It's mm-hmm. still a shock, kind of like yep. I understand. Like, and I don't mm-hmm. think one of the things that I wish people had prepared prepared me for was the performative aspect, like hmm. understanding that not everybody's your friend. A lot of people are looking out for themselves, yeah. um, and it's really, really difficult to navigate. Mm-hmm. And I think that that was kind of a shock, especially within my first years in the corporate world. It's just like this is exhausting. And I remember kind of going through identity crisis. Um, and just trying to figure out who I was as a, a person who was working in corporate now. Um, mm-hmm. And I just felt really disconnected from even like my friends who uh, were doing big things in the housing industry or mm-hmm. going on to get their PhD. I was just like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I wish I had people to help me. And mm-hmm. my that first job, I just felt like I just didn't have people to help me until I started talking to some, some uh, other Black uh, colleagues uh, mm-hmm. at the agency that I was at. And they really kind of helped me navigate and say like, okay, well, you have to look out for these types of things because, mm-hmm. you know, this person may seem like they're your, they're your friend, but really they're just focused on moving up, um, which is fine, but you have to be conscious of that and you have to realize, okay, well, this is what I need to do to, you know, make sure that I'm doing well and not mm-hmm. paying them any mind. Mm-hmm. Um, those are really hard and those are really hard lessons to learn. Mm-hmm. And it's just so, so jarring when you when you first get into it um Mm -hmm. but yeah but as far as like my interest in communication I've always enjoyed writing Mm -hmm. and I've always prided myself on being a good writer Mm -hmm. um and originally I was not going to go the corporate route I was getting the master's I thought I wanted to go on and get a PhD and teach I really wanted to be in the classroom and do research my thesis was on black twitter um and -hmm. it just so happened to be um my thesis kind of like when I was writing it was the same time that Ferguson happened and oh, wow. um, the shooting of Mike Brown. So it was just kind of like this, what is it? Just beautiful disaster of a, of a thing that like all of this is happening right now. And mm-hmm. I'm creating a body of work to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I met someone at an agency and they were just like, I heard you're a really good writer. And I was like, how do you know that? Um, and my professor had, you know, hyped me up to, to the person and mm-hmm. before I knew it, I was working at the agency. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it was never really on my radar to be in corporate America. I, mm-hmm. I had you know, my, my career plan. It was like undergrad, grad school, PhD, teach, do research for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And that is not how it went. <laughs> um, so I think that was also a reason that it was kind of jarring for me because I didn't mm-hmm. plan for it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I had planned for academia and I'd had mm-hmm. a lot of professors who were mentors who had gone that route, who had gone, mm-hmm. you know, undergrad, grad school, PhD. So mm-hmm. they helped me, you know, get ready for like, these are some of the uh, discriminatory things that you need to look for in academia. These are the types of things that you need to look out for. These are the types mm-hmm. of research areas that are not getting focused. Mm-hmm. But I hadn't really had anyone to help me navigate until I got there, the mm-hmm. corporate side of things. So it's just kind of like, okay, where am I now? Um, and it's kind of disheartening in a lot of ways because you just don't, you feel like you don't fit. You feel like there's a problem with you mm-hmm. um, when things go down. But, you know, the more you you get into it, the more you talk to people, the more you connect with other Black professionals, you're like, oh, okay, so this is just a them thing. 
and mm-hmm. we need to figure out things for ourselves because you know it's like I said it's jarring but it uh, is. that's kind of how I fell into it so it is for sure and I know one thing I could say too like how we all discussed about college um with college you are learning the basics of whatever your degree is in or what you're planning mm-hmm. to potentially pursue and in a way too with college I know a lot of people that have degrees in a certain area of study not to and they don't work in that area now but they still apply some of those like learning opportunities and working in a team setting like they've applied that to their job now but I can say one thing that was interesting to me just coming from my background and being in college nobody in my family worked in corporate America a lot of my family members work in education or have like trade jobs like I got uncles that are mechanics and factory workers and stuff like that so me like oh I'm going to a corporation I'm going to an agency they like what does that look like like oh yes what is what's what's the difference with that like how are you making money what is PR what is mass mm-hmm. com yet mass media sort of thing so even in a way I right? had to I had to expose myself to it like I feel like when I first got to college I would hear terms float around like in-house agency startup like I would hear all of these different things I'm like okay what exactly does this mean like what does this look like and I remember even when I had my first internship probably like my junior year of college even with wanting to go into communications, one area of communication, one thing about communications that I think is interesting is they play a, place a huge emphasis on past experience and past knowledge, which means that a lot of the students are having to go out and get internships and work at other places before they can get into some of those doors that they want. But for Black yeah. students, sometimes you got to give up a little bit more than you're getting because I even remember my initial thought with even working at an agency I thought oh it would be so cool to do something in fashion or beauty I was a kid that grew up liking fashion I like beauty I used to get like Allure magazine W magazine I wasn't so much like I want to be a designer but I'm just like this is an industry that excites me and how they write about it and talk about it but when I would be talking to people who are doing like the the um the agency aspect of fashion and being behind the scenes at Vogue and their communications department and so forth, none of that shit was paid for. And then these are in larger cities on the coast. I remember I had an interview with, I can't even, I can't even remember the name to put them on blast, but it was communications, fashion, entertainment, thought it was fun. It was in New York city. Oh baby. After I had the interview and I talked with the lady, she said, Oh yeah. Just so you know, like it's totally unpaid. Not totally. Totally is crazy. Totally is nuts. In New York City? Very In New York City? Are you kidding me? And I'm just like, And so, like, even then, I had to learn how, again, not coming from, uh, not having family members who had previously done this or having as much prior knowledge about it, like having to figure it out on my own, talk to classmates about how they got their experience and who they knew and how they kind of went about interviewing and showcasing these skills that they hadn't yet been able to apply, but still pull from that classroom setting. Um, I know another very eye-opening experience about working in corporate is some corporations, they really want you to give an arm and a leg. And a thigh. And And a a back. For like, I can personally say, even though I like my job, I do not want my job to be my entire identity. 
Mm-hmm. And that has been eye-opening. Speak it's on so it. funny that you, It's so thoughts. funny that you say that because one of my biggest, like, and I still think about this to the day when working mm-hmm. in agencies, people are so proud of working in agencies and, they, and they're just like, it's their whole identity. But then going back to what Jen mentioned about the performative, it's like, okay, is this a performance? Is this performative? Do you have to convince yourself that you love corporate America so much that you love agency so much? Or is it legitimate and authentic that this is who you are? Mm-hmm. I've always questioned that because I've never, I, I don't know. And I don't know the answer. Um, Cause I don't, I mean, like I like my job right now, but I've always said, I'm not gonna let a job give me high blood pressure and work mm-hmm. is in my life. And even liking, really liking, really enjoying my job. I think I tweeted this a couple of weeks ago. I was like, there's this weird dichotomy of really loving your job. And then be like at the same time, but fuck that job. Like it's not my life. You know, it's, and there are people who are like, like I'll go on like people's Instagram profiles or Twitter profiles or anything um, different than LinkedIn. LinkedIn's obviously, you know, your, your, your professional self, but Twitter and Instagram, and they're like uh, PR lifer or PR gal. And I'm just like, what is this? Like, yeah. Now, now I can say I All do, right. ap- I do appreciate those Instagram pages and things that are dedicated to how agency and corporations are set up. Cause there's some inside jokes that only hit amongst us. Like yes. you, you truly know yes. about working with clients and have had those experiences, but no, I oh, 110% yes. agree that my identity cannot be tied to my job. And like, yeah. it's a balance to that because when you think about it, you spend a lot of time at work, like you, most people they say okay you're you're clocking 40 hours a week but most times you're spending like 60 70 it's a lot because even if you yeah. commute into work you commute in back home if you participate in any sort of like social aspects of your job or you're even looking for some of those more like leadership positions you put in a little bit more work because you're like okay I'm trying to get something out of it but mm-hmm. a lot of times it's just so demanding it is so demanding it's so demand. It's so demanding, and then there are people who don't want to leave it there. Like you know how you can say like leave work there. Um, like how are you as a person? Like when we text each other, we just be talking about we just shooting the shit. You know like yes. asking how you talking about Jen's date, uh, yes. like all that type of shit. Like that's what we're talking about. Like and then there are certain you know work friends who are just like oh how's your job? And it's just like it's fine. It's a job. You know right. like how you doing? How's your kid? You know how's uh, the new sport that you started playing, like how, mm-hmm. like on a mm-hmm. different level. And I feel like sometimes in corporate America, which is totally fine if that's who you are, like people keep it so surface level that mm-hmm. I'm just like, okay, or if you're really dedicated to that and that you make it your life, that's fine. But I've just never been able to tell if that's real or if that's a performance that people are putting on. And I think that's really true. interesting. So. True. I don't know. Yeah. Really I think a lot of the times, like, I don't want to like throw a blanket statement out and be like, it is a performance, but it's just like to have work be your life is just like, for me, like, that's a reality that I'm scared of. Right. Like, I feel like I've learned and I'm blessed to have learned it, you know, so quickly. Like someone told me today, like kind of my attitude, I think I also got it, you know, from your mentorship, Rodney, like, um, just realizing like, it's just never that serious. Like, obviously you know, we're blessed to have the jobs that we do. We're blessed to be able to wake up and do what we do every day. Like that's a blessing. Um, And we do great work and we work hard and we're very good at what we do. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, that's one bucket. But then in the other bucket, it's like, 
nothing that we do is ever worth, like you said, Rodney, high blood pressure. You know, I remember there were days, but again, you know, to, to be fair, this was my first internship. You know, at yeah. Weber Shadwick, I'd be, you know, pinging Rodney, I'd be crying. I'd be crying my eyes out and, you know, and I'd need him to come over for help. Um, and obviously, you know, as an intern, you know, this being my first experience, like that's different, but now, you know, even as an AE, which is, you know, junior, if you're thinking about things, you know, in terms of a hierarchy, it's, mm-hmm. it's not, it's mm-hmm. not, I, I cannot cry over, I cannot be so stressed and bent over backwards that, you know, my physical health, my mental health, my emotional health is taking a toll. And mm-hmm. so I've just learned that like, you know, while work, um, and, you know, being able to exercise your passions is a beautiful thing. Um, and it is a blessing, um, for it to consume my life is, is something that I'm fearful about. You know, it's mm-hmm. something that I, a re- reality that I would never want to happen. It's part mm-hmm. of me and it, mm-hmm. it, it makes up, you know, part of who I am. And, uh, but at the end of the day, I, I need to be Jennifer and that needs to be just one piece of Jennifer. Um, and, and you know what though, it's interesting how you even mentioned like your mental and physical health. Cause if anything, I feel like being black incorporate you know you really you really you really ride you ride the wave and it and you kind of straddle the line just because you know we have to deal with things a bit differently like we Mm -hmm. code switch a lot more not to say code switching is something that is only something black people in corporate America do I feel like people in general you have to coast with you you know like okay I have to kind of turn this on for this group and then turn this off for another group it's just with black people it's a bit more extreme and we really have to straddle that line um like even then I can say for me like even when I was in college learning how to code switch because I know for I even though I went to I went to a smaller college and it was predominantly white, predominantly white university institution, whatever. I even had to tell a lot of them when I was interacting with them, they would be talking about like diversity and black people and oh, you know, I just don't see a lot of black people in this class. And oh my gosh, or even then white students will be like, Oh, well, this is my first time um interacting with more of a diverse group and working in clubs with people of different backgrounds and so forth. And I was honest, I was like, this is my first time with y'all too. <laughs> my high school was predominantly black. There were no white people in my high school when I thought about it. So just like you're like, oh, I don't I feel like, oh, my gosh, you guys are talking about racism. Should I should I speak up? Should I share my opinion? Should I share my thoughts? Like you are not an anomaly when it comes to being put in a group that looks predominantly like you like the same thing goes for a lot of other black people we're not put in those situations where we have to interact with a lot of white people now if you come from a background where I feel like okay I grew up in a mixed neighborhood where it was a good mixture of black people a good mixture of white people like even then sometimes you're a bit closed off because you're not interacting with Asian Americans Native Americans Latinos and so forth so you're still meeting these people and already having some preconceived notions Mm -hmm. in your head but I even remember being in a classroom setting and talking about like race in the media and I am happy I had some black ass professors in the mass media department because we even watched um what was it I think it was Ava DuVernay like 13th oh that's a heavy like, one. 
That Even is very, and, and and one of our professors made that mandatory for people to come in and attend and watch it. So that was something she was trying to put in people's minds early on. Cause you're like, in a way you working in communications, you're building the narratives that are going to be put out in the world. And you have to understand, Hey, how can I be more inclusive to include these diverse narratives? In a lot of ways, people don't do that. And we, and we see still at such a high level of these things happening. I mean, even for instance, Walmart making the Juneteenth ice cream. Who who said, yeah, Juneteenth ice cream. That's what it, they want. It wasn't they, even but for con. Very disrespectful. Very disrespectful. An abomination, if you ask me. But it's just like you would think. But again, these same executives, these same teams and creatives grow up and come from backgrounds that are very homogenous therefore they don't go into it with the thought process of okay how do I apply this in something that's going to potentially go out to the masses and I feel like that's been something that's been eye-opening for me even as well as the fact of like I don't even (laughs) this is very true but even in corporate America a lot of time a lot of your time is going to be spent understanding the politics of emails Emails, 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 like. I'm so glad you said that. And it was so beautifully said. Like, I could write a book on the politics of emails in corporate America, especially for Black people. Well, and and Black women. Oh, the exclamation points, the, the emojis, the, you know, do I need to sound like this? And then to get a thanks sent from iPhone, get Outlook for iPhone today. Like I have had enough personally, you know, like I feel like I'm having, people probably think I'm having an aneurysm the way I'm set. like, she can't be that happy the way she sends, the way she sends email, like, oh my gosh. And sending everything correctly. And, and oh my gosh, even, I'm just. Even outside of sending everything correctly, like. Everything has a different tone. Oh, yeah. And you have to use a different tone to appeal to a different group. And you have to understand how this person likes to be communicated with. And you have to still think about how you communicate with people. Because I'm a person who, while I'm not, I feel like lengthy to a degree, I don't like to be quote unquote short with people. Like, because, mm-hmm. you know, we work with some people who, who can be very short. Okay. Thanks very blank and it's like okay do you understand what I'm saying do you not like I need you to give me a little bit more or even then people that are very detailed and lengthy and like I I remember this was crazy like when I first started working full-time I would just be drafting emails on my own to be sent to clients and even send internally to the team and I remember I had one team member who she would always have some edits to my emails like oh you missed this or you should include this and I said you know what girl I got something even better and at first when we talked about it I was kind of annoyed but then I was like you know what I, I'm not annoyed but she was like oh would you mind if I reviewed your emails beforehand and the way I was kind of like eh, like is she trying to check me but then I thought about it I'm like I don't think she's trying to check me but if you want to create that extra work for you Sure. Because again, I am communicating the way that I know how I can try to appeal to these different tones, but my verbiage is still unique to myself. Not to say like, 
I'm using slang or anything crazy, but still like everybody has a certain way of talking. So that was very interesting. But now when I work with people and people have feedback, oh, I love to send, you want to review this beforehand? Do you want to review this beforehand? Here, tell me what you think. Because if we go have to keep having conversations on the back end, nothing is going to get done. I'd rather you just go ahead and add your two cents now. I was about to say my favorite thing to do if people have edits, especially like higher ups who like to be really passive aggressive and like leave a comment instead of making the direct edits. I'm like, well, go ahead and review this and please feel free to make your edits directly. Do not send something back to me with comments saying this is what you should do. Remove this period, comma, you should enter. That is so passive aggressive. And it, oh, I, I, no, you, it, especially, it's okay. especially when it's something that is like do fairly quickly. Oh my God. But the comments, like I sent this back, left a few comments, please address. And then you can send, just make the edits, just make the edits and track changes. It's not going to hurt you. I like, promise or you. Put it in red. Red strike through just to make the edits. You do not have to teach me by leaving comments for me to try and incorporate. Let me figure out what she meant. Just make the edits. And then just we can get this sent to the client. You are not teaching me. I am not learning um, <laughs> more in depth. I am not having a more rich or a richer learning experience by you leaving comments, 10 comments in the document when you could have just made changes and I could have sent this off. I can compare both versions. I just, I, 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 it's an enigma to me. Um, I'm befuddled by why this continues to happen. Um, and it's just so degrading. Like, it's like, yes, like if you want to review, please go ahead, but do not review for the sake of trying to teach me something and then creating more work for me, not making the edits, not mm-hmm. actually contributing something, but like basically flexing your hand or flexing your power. Like, I know more than you, so I'm going to send this back with comments and suggested things you should do or what you left out and mm-hmm. spend time doing that. Like, come on. Mm-hmm. Come on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like Rodney, you was getting ready to say something. You you had it. Yes, I'm ready, Rodney, please. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know. So the politics of emails is one of the most interesting topics. Um, and it made me think of this one time when I was kind of on my way out at my last job. And I just started, like, I reached a point when I was writing emails, especially if I was like cool with the client, I'd be like, oh, that's dope. You know, like it w- whatever. And like the client would be like, right? You know, like it's like it's so interesting when people let you build your own relationships with the clients. Sydney um, right. and I worked on a, a client together, actually, that I was like this with. I love those clients. Um, and you know which ones I'm talking about. Um, because And it was a, a, a struggle to get there. But it was mm-hmm. also because the leads finally kind of let me have autonomy in my relationship with them like it was just like Mm -hmm. oh they knew that they could come to me for this or whatever Mm -hmm. it might be Mm -hmm. but it makes me think of this one time um when uh, i was on an account at my last agency and i was mid-level and there were some junior folks who would work under me on the account and we all missed something in a status document it's a status document it ain't that serious you know it's just like update this line update that line and it had a comment in it that was like don't touch this. Um, so the junior folks missed it um, and they thought they weren't supposed to touch it, but the comment was from the previous week. So um, this okay. week they were supposed to update. Last uh-huh. week they weren't supposed to. It was, the comment was from last week. It wasn't from this week. So they were supposed to update. There was some confusion. They got it in super late, but still before the meeting, uh, the client meeting. Mm-hmm. And the VP on the account was just like, what happened here? I know that we're all busy, but this can never happen again. 
Um, and the juniors were so upset and so flustered that this VP was being, you know, like, they're like, oh, oh we got to, we, we have to respond. We have to say something back. I was not going to say shit. Cause I was like, fuck this. Like, I don't, I don't care. Like I'm, it's 2021. I'm not apologizing for shit that I'm not sorry for that. That is my mm-hmm. resolution mm-hmm. to myself. So I'm seeing them get, you know, flustered and about to, so I messaged one of them and I'm like, Hey, hold off. Don't say anything. I'm going to respond. And then I'll tell you why after. So I respond to the VP and I'm just like, you know, um, heard, you know, we'll make sure that this doesn't happen again and do better in the future. Thanks so much. Still didn't apologize because I'm not apologizing because it's not that fucking serious, you know? Um, And I also, I think in agencies specifically, there's this sense of urgency with everything. Y'all need to reevaluate and make sure everything is not urgent. Everything is not urgent. It's not, Um, there's no way. Nope. Exactly. So, so I, I send this email where I'm not apologizing, but just saying, okay, we'll do better in the future. Thanks for your feedback. Mm Mm-hmm. I messaged the juniors and I'm like, this is why I said this, because this is a game and it's a political game that I hate playing, Mm -hmm. but I don't, I want to do the least that I can to protect you all. Because I knew if one of the juniors had sent back, you know, I'm so sorry. I saw the note in there to not touch it. I thought that was from this week, but you know, obviously it was from last week. If you had said that this VP would have been like, well, why didn't you ask me before? Why were you just looking at it today? They would have had 10 million questions and to, two, to find and, a reason to blame and, 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 in a this. way it's like mistakes are always going to happen mistakes are always going to yeah. be made as a true leader yes you acknowledge they happening try to make sure they don't occur again but in a way you kind of got to get to the bottom of it because it falls back on you if they don't know hmm, yeah. did the person who was leading them not say hey guys I know we have this due at 1030, but before we send it make sure you guys just triple check notice some comments in from last time that's all you have to do is give a heads up. But I feel like in a lot of corporate settings, it's such this thing of power. Like people want to flex their hands yeah. so much. And it's like, that is yeah. not necessary. I work with people that are a lot more senior and some of them have been shockingly nice uh, with how they go about addressing things. And when things happen, like if I make a mistake, I feel comfortable being like, oh, I kind of messed up there. Or, hey, I can change or do this next time. Whereas some of those people who are a little bit more strict on their hand, I'm like, mm, you need to relax because I yeah. don't like this. Don't approach me. Serious. It's not that never. serious. And two, to me, and saying even stuff like, well, how didn't y'all catch this? Why, why did this happen? Can you not look at the overall structure of the team? I promise you, it's, it lies somewhere within there. And if you are the lead and you are the one that's guiding everybody, it should fall back on you. You should be thinking about, hmm, why did they miss this? What could I have done mm-hmm. to help? What, how could I have stepped in and made this different? I know one thing that happened with me that was so interesting, and this has happened with me before, like, like you said, the urgency. It's always a thing of urgency. I need this. I need this. And sometimes I've been honest with people. I get you need stuff, but this is out of my scope. And not to say I am not a problem solver, but how much of my time is going to be spent solving this issue that was never meant for me? (laughs) Because people get into a habit of being like, well, I'm just going to ask the person closest to me. I remember remember on this one team that I was a part of, like, I'm, oh my gosh, no longer associated with the team whatsoever. But I remember a VP responding to me on a email 
And I was a person that was CC'd in the email. Now, this is a chain of emails. And she just responded to me solely, just reply. I was like, oh, hey, are you looking into this? This is not. And I'm like, hey, didn't know I was supposed to be. I was CC'd on this, but I thought I could have swore so-and-so was handling. Again, I am just randomly CC because I'm a part of the team. But for the VP to just send me this one off, and I'm like, this is not technically a part of my scope either. Like, do I need to pull somebody else in? I'm happy to, but this is not my job. Mm-hmm. And she was like, oh, I just, I saw your name. So I thought you would, why, why, That's why? I was they had never addressed nothing in any of those emails said Sydney, nothing. So I was very confused. I was like, girl, I'm not spending spend an hour, 30 minutes trying to understand what, what any of this is going on. This, this chain is from like a week and you decide to respond now you saw my name towards the front of the CC. Mm-hmm. Oh gosh. Sorry, y'all. I had just like sidebar for viewers and listeners. Cause I'm looking up, like there's a call I just received and I'm like confusion. Uh Oh, it was like 12. And it's like, but I always, it's so funny. Like if I receive a call from a number, I don't know. I will look up um, the number. So fast. Google. I will Google the number so fast. I'm not calling you back. Call you back for what? What, what am I going to gain from that? I hate being on the phone. Um, I Being on the phone is my... Um, oh, meetings. You know, we... Let's get into that. Um, Zoom, Teams, Skype, like... Ooh. Like, okay, before COVID, we were all in a workspace before COVID. So we were in an office. We were going to actual meeting rooms and connecting. It looked a lot different. But after COVID, boy, when I tell you there were some days I could have just, the minute I heard that ring, like I'm pretty sure I have PTSD from the Microsoft ring of people calling. And I literally, oh, I know who this is. Anyways, calling me, (laughs) calling me is crazy. Don't, don't ever call my phone. Don't ever, especially if we've like, I, talking on the phone is crazy, especially on not even first link, but first like virtual link. Don't ever call me. Don't ever. Wow. That's crazy. Cause now I got to block you, but um, sad to see it. But anyways, <laughs> meetings, 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 meetings. Um, yes. I literally, my computer all day. I don't know how people do it. Like leave the sound off so they can hear like the team's pings and the team, like ringtone. I have to have it silenced. Like I, and also just kind of the, the push for RTO for some companies. And then, but it's like, we're still taking virtual meetings. Like, so we're supposed to sit, sit in a cubicle and take virtual meet. I, unless y'all have a a state of the art headset, um, (laughs) but then it's getting call center, but no, I, for me, like Sometimes like meetings are like cool, obviously for like interaction and being social, like mm-hmm. virtual meetings, but like they're exhausting, especially after three yeah. years of doing it nonstop. And so it's mm-hmm. like, I love no meeting days. Like um, someone was asking me, I think it was like this weekend, like working at a coffee shop, like that's something I enjoy doing a lot or just mm-hmm. like, so, and someone asked me, it was so funny. They were like, so do you like ever have calls? Like, how do you do that? If you have calls, I'm like, I'll move the calls to another day. Like, this is important to me. <laughs> I enjoy sitting at a coffee shop and being cute and like. Or even having the, I, I'm taking calls from a coffee shop. 
yeah, I will say yeah. I had to. I did not want to be in my house. I didn't want to be in the office either. But uh, I wanted to go get coffee and like engage with you guys. And to a degree, I low-key feel very productive when I go to coffee shops. I don't know what it is about it, but I'm just like, okay, like it's some type. If I like the ambiance and stuff, then I can get to go in and do yeah. what I need to do as opposed to being in a cubicle. Not to say again yeah. that I'm not productive there, but it's just like there is so crazy how so many jobs are really pushing to get people in the office when research shows that like when employees are given a lot more opportunities to be flexible in where they work and their hours, they are way more productive. Yep. Yep. I might be working from home and I might be doing my laundry, but I'm still getting the work done. And that's, you know, like that's what matters. It, it literally doesn't matter how you do it. As long as you mm-hmm. get your stuff in and you bill your time, like why does the rest matter? And mm-hmm. I want to go back to your early point, earlier point, like, mm. oh, I will take a meeting from a coffee shop so fast. I will take it. So, And they'll be like, where are you? They're coffee shop. I'm, I'm having the time of my life right now. I'm going to get a bulimia after this. Like I, and, and, and what about it? I, it's Literally. just like, Life is just too short. And I just spend so much of my time at work not to enjoy the time. Like, I understand the office might be appropriate some days or working from home might be appropriate other days. But mm-hmm. if I want to go enjoy myself at a coffee shop, I should be able to do that. And or like, even then, I can I can go get my hair braided and have oh, my laptop with me. I've done that. And I've been on calls off camera. I've been like, oh, my God, and it's fine. As long as the work is being done. The status grid is being filled out. The meeting is being scheduled. The notes are being up, like the the updates being sent to clients. Why does it matter? But I think it all goes back to kind of that idea of like control. Wanting to make sure people are abiding by kind of these rules. And um, sometimes even like unspoken expectations that have been set. Like, especially Black folks. Like, for us to step out of line is really like, what all right y'all got enough going on right you know we did diversity day don't push it and then so it's like and you and you know what I can say too I I have one thing I've liked is I feel like with COVID it's brought more to I wouldn't even say maybe more to life about it but it it has allowed for more spaces to be created for I feel like black and brown and Asian, like all of these different groups of people to kind of, you know, showcase more of their needs. Like, this is what I need from work. I understand you guys see me as an employee, but again, I, I have all of these identities outside of work. Like, how are you fulfilling this for me? Um, and I know even now I sit in on some more diversity and equity and inclusion practices. And it's nice to be a part of that. Cause I'm like, okay, in a way, this works this work actually feels a little bit more meaningful because <laughs> right. with corporate you are serving other corporations so if they have all of these millions and billions of dollars behind their names like you're one of the many outside employees that they look to for solutions and so forth um so you're like eh, how, how am I making an impact what what does the difference really look like here and again I think that's something that black employees, we we think a little bit more about and even how we go about bringing in more diverse talent because that's another thing they're looking at us like okay so we got you here are you gonna be able to get 
X, Y, and Z here? And you like, wait a minute. Are you, why are you going to even give me the resources to do that correctly? And two, nope. are you treating me correctly? Because I don't want to bring any other people who look like me here. And they like, why you do? Why you bring me here? Why did you get me hired here? And they treat me like this. They doing the same. You said we must go have fun. You said we must go have fun. No, 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 no. Because you're not like, I can, I can honestly say too, I have had interviews or not even interviews, networking sessions with non-white people. And they've been like, okay, like we've talked about all of the fluffy cookie cutter stuff. Be honest, be, be fucking for real. <laughs> would you recommend I come there? Like, what has your experience been as a black person, as a black woman? Just be honest, be very. But honest. like, they don't want to be that way because like they're trying to save face, and like, it's exhausting. It's like, come on, like, tell me, sis. Like, look, we don't have to do the dance. We don't have to do the dance. Come on, let's let's come on. Just just be real. And so that's also like something that's so frustrating. It's like, why can't we just like? help me out lift every voice but sometimes like like we mentioned earlier people are just looking out for themselves it's like shit like i'm in good graces with um jim and bob and uh lou and whoever else and like why would i it's like but why even be that way because we Mm -hmm. still make up such a small percentage of the employees within a corporation like why not use that to kind of help make more decisions like again I understand this is a job and I need a job I need capital I need money I need my bills paid but y'all still need me for whatever quota you try to serve in a way no I was just gonna say my take on that has always been like what do I have to lose um because you're not going to fire me for you know speak in my mind of what I feel that I need or what I feel other mm-hmm. black people or you know mm-hmm. generally people of color may need mm-hmm. um if you are then I'll see baby um but yeah. Yeah. so it's just like it, it's like there should be no fear in speaking up but I think some people some black people still feel like well if I don't make it like I'm setting everybody back I'm setting a lot of other black people back and like mm-hmm. they feel like they're probably gonna set their family back or you know like the idea that you have to make it um, and that you have to look out for only yourself, I think, um, mm-hmm. is what permeates some people's minds. Mm-hmm. But I look at it the other way. It's just like you got to speak up in order to uplift other people, other black people, other people of color within your organization, because that's just something you have to do. Um, but it's it's really interesting because it you would hope that people don't just look out for themselves. But I won't say more often than not, because I've been able to you know, connect with a lot of great black professionals throughout all of mm-hmm. my agencies that I worked at higher education. Um, but it happens more often than you think that mm-hmm. you'll connect with somebody or, you know, run into somebody who's just looking out for themselves. Um, mm-hmm. And it's disappointing and it's frustrating. And um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Well, I can say like, I'm trying to think. I can say, though, I feel like a lot of black people, what I've been noticing with corporate America is people are going in to get what they need and then moving on as they see fit. I don't even know if this is just a black thing, but I can say one thing I love about our generation is 
we do not feel like we have to be ball and chain to a job, to an organization. Yeah. Like that mm-hmm. diehard mentality behind the job, we let that go. Like it's no way. Because again, if anything were to happen to me, if I get sick, anything, first people to replace me. My family yeah. could be burying me, crying. Y'all doing interviews. Y'all cleaning off my desk. Like, they... And I mean, you can be somewhere and people be like, oh, we care about you. And we, we still We're like want a you family. To be, mm-hmm. We want you to be treated like a family and all this other stuff. And it's like, I don't want my job to be my family, though. Like, I have that. I have one. I, 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 I have one. Like, I want coworkers that, again, I, I appreciate socializing outside of the office, um, hanging out, having activities to do that aren't essentially work-related. But it's like I still want there to be some sort of boundary in a way. And I think that's too with black employees. Oh, baby, we go stick to that boundary. If I do not want you to cross that line with me, I do not want you to cross that line with me. And I'm even a person like I'm talkative, but in a way like I can be extroverted when I'm in a new environment, just because I want to feel, I want to fill it out. I don't know the people as well. Like I want to just engage and kind of see, okay, this is how they kind of communicate with each other. These people might be a little bit more funny, laid back, whereas another group might be a little bit more uptight, stricter. So I just want to know about how I should even conduct myself. And sometimes people don't like that. They're like, oh, you're so quiet. I'm just concerned about you contributing. I even remember I worked on one team. Again, I'm not on this team anymore. But one of the leads was like, oh, I really like Sydney, but like I don't, I don't know how she's contributing. She's quiet in some of the meetings. She's she's not talking as much in some of the meetings. Mind you, this person talked for 35 minutes straight. I have nothing to add. I want to be done. You said it all, sweetie. You talk for 30, 35 minutes straight. What am I gonna say? Yeah. That's Agree. When we're talking about frustrated and uh uh annoyed. Uh, one of my biggest pet peeves when people just talk to hear themselves talk. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, uh, yes. That was the first. I was just like, y'all are just talking in circles. And then it comes time for performance reviews and Rodney doesn't speak up enough. Like, God, like, did I have a chance to speak? Like, I wanted to get out of the meeting. We was 30 minutes over. Like, goodbye. Like, I got other shit to do. Like, if the... the 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 speaking the talking to hear yourself speak or talk it that used to drive me up a wall and it it always I would push back on it when it came time for performance reviews because people would be like you don't speak enough speak up enough it's like if I have something to say or something that I feel of value that will contribute to the conversation mm-hmm. I will say it I've never been afraid to say it it's mm-hmm. just like but sometimes I just need my mar- marching orders and I will go and do it you know like just give me my marching orders and I'll do it like oh, and, and you've never had a, like. That they hate that because it's just like okay so there's no problem with the work you say the work is very good you say that it's timely few you know no errors or a few yeah. errors um you're saying that the client you know doesn't have much feedback you're saying that the client gets along with me but the you, you are saying that i need to speak up more in meetings it's a control Why? thing it's like it's like they it's- want you to be um gosh, like an image, like something that they have projected of what professionalism is or what mm-hmm. contributing or proactivity is. They mm-hmm. set a standard, like an unspoken standard of what that looks like. And if you don't subscribe to that, then mm-hmm. they're like, oh no, like 
you're, you, you become othered. So to your mm-hmm. point, both, both of you, it's like, because both of you are like extremely friendly introvert, or excuse me, extroverted. Like you both have like amazing personalities, but you don't owe them. You know, you don't owe anybody, especially at work, you and- know, a, a insight into that or a look into that. Like that is reserved for people who you want to share that basically, with. basically. And I can say too, I, I feel like I have had good supervisors in the aspect of they may not be on the teams I lead but when they get feedback like that they kind of push back a little bit because they're like well I know her I talked to her Sydney's very friendly with me she's very open with me so I'll talk with her about this but let me see her standpoint and then when I share it with them they're like oh like okay yeah that is more of the general politics to it but Yes. Don't feel like you have to necessarily contribute. And even then I've been shuffled around on some teams. I have no problem. Some, some, some coworkers, I'm just not going to be compatible with in terms of how we, you know, work and stuff. And some people we have different styles, but we're still compatible. I can still meet their goals. They know how to help me and so forth. But yeah, some of those people like, Again, what do you, how do you benefit from me adding my two cents? Because that's all it is sometimes. Sometimes it's just two cents. Like I'm still here. I'm still I very agree. much engaging. I've, I've heard everything you've said. If anything, I probably took some notes so I won't freaking forget or anything further down the line, but it's just like, whew. Here's, so the thing, one of the reasons that it upsets me is, especially like after managing people and moving to like middle management, mm-hmm. um, is you start to see, like we're saying the politics behind it, but then how they ingrain those politics in things like promotions. And yes. oh, okay, oh. it's like, okay, well, use Sydney, for example. Um, well, she doesn't really speak up in meetings, so I'm not sure if she's ready for the next step of being able to speak to the client. And mm-hmm. it's just like, wait a minute, those are two very different things. You know, mm-hmm. like she's presented for you, she's given this, like the work is timely, why are mm-hmm. we not considering her for a promotion because she doesn't speak up in meetings? That's the stupidest shit I've ever heard. I have yes. a, a friend who is a person of color um, who is a very great worker, but she's a little more introverted, mm-hmm. but she is a phenomenal worker. Um, but then it's just like within these agencies, because if, if you're more introverted or if you don't speak up in meetings as much, it's like, oh, well, this person can't be a leader. And it's oh. like, that is not like, first of all, leadership comes in all different varieties. Mm -hmm. And you need people to connect with people within the organization who may be a little bit different than what your stereotypical leader is. Mm -hmm. You know, these loud, boisterous, gotta speak over everybody, always have to provide their thing is too. My thing is too, I think people always try to look on it, quote unquote, from from the lens of nationality and ethnicity, but you have to think about even in terms of ability. Some people are neurodivergent. So even yes. how they go about communicating is going to be a little bit different. Like, had you not taken that into consideration, like you said before, these people are more than capable, but you're judging it against your own preconceived notions of, oh, this person is quiet. Obviously they're yeah. not engaging or they don't want to like, that is a bunch of bull crap. And it's like, that is so sad that, you know, these people can still have such good potential for leadership positions, but they getting passed up yep. because these other people are just a little bit more, uh, a little visible. bit more ass kissing. 
basically. Yeah. yeah, visible. Not to say that it's not people who can't have both, who can't be super duper skilled and also very visible, but it's just like. But the fact that it. like being visible and like kissing ass, like whether it's <laughs> for your client or, you know, for your team internally, the fact that that's currency, especially at agencies like that, that but it has to be the right kind of currency. Like it's very delicate, but the politics are just so insidious that yes, like people will get passed up for promotions and people will, you know, be behind in their, you know, career trajectories or, you know, Mm -hmm. they they will feel jaded because they do not subscribe to these politics made up by these people, these unspoken politics, by the way, that you have to catch on to learn. Like it's something that you don't realize until like you listen in and you catch on and you're like oh like okay I'm hip like I'm following along now but if you're really not paying attention you will miss out and you will lose out and you will not be promoted you will not get invited to the special dinners the special events you will not be in the rooms that that are important to be in like Mm -hmm. so you have to play the game and you have to play it well you have to I one thing I need to participate more in that I did a bit more before COVID were those professional organizations centered around specific groups, um, especially with Black women, just because, you know, it felt, it resonated a bit more with me to have somebody who has likely been in my position before. Not to say every Black woman's story is the same, but still somebody who I can relate to a lot more and hear how they've kind of moved up and moved on and like navigated the corporate space because there are some black women who are like you know what I had to get nitty and gritty or I had people who challenged me a lot and I had to be just as aggressive with them and you know for a while I didn't want to be perceived as aggressive but I noticed after a while they were still challenging me so I had to show my chops what's the word show my claws like pull it out and then after a while they respected me and again not to say that's the right way to go about it but I feel like that's been a lot of stories for people that look like us because I know for me again you it's like you don't want to be abrasive but in a way it's like if you want to play this game it's like I have no choice I have no choice it's like you You've literally give it my hands are tied. That's that's our favorite thing. My my hands are tied. I, I I'm not sure what I can and, do at this point. And well, again, I, I'm in a corner. I'm in a corner, but I know for me, I I've had pretty good allies in the workplace. So even then, I'm falling back on them too. Cause I'm True. gonna ask them, am I crazy or am I wrong? Am like I hey, this like even me I'm not ashamed I will sit in this email chain so review this and tell me where I went wrong and I'm not afraid to cc my supervisor cc my manager or somebody else who can come in and give some of that insight if I'm not all the way having like something got to give Sydney knows I used to keep the receipts and I used to be like hey Attachment, 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 attachment. Here's because what people about. will act like you're crazy. Like, they oh, will. I didn't say that. Or, oh, I said this. No, this is what you said. This is how I interpret it. You could have easily fleshed this out a bit more and been more direct, but you you weren't. You chose not to. And that was intentional. And then when people call you out on it, you want to backtrack and be like, boy boy oh boy oh boy I remember I had a client blow up my email about something one time it was just blowing up me 
I'm not the team lead. I was very confused, like literally CCing my manager. This out of my scope. You I help in the back. I'm not the day-to-day client lead on this. Mm-hmm. And we had a whole conversation about it. It all worked out perfectly afterwards, but it was still something like, I got to bring this to everybody's attention because this something not, I don't know if it's not clicking for y'all or if it's not clicking for me, but let's get to the bottom of it. Bro, we got to get to the bottom of it immediately. And I feel like, again, this is typical for Black people in corporations, in spaces where we just far and few. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have to build that sense of community and even then, my thing about even with communities within the workplace, like I'm still a little bit leery of them because your job still has oversight into them. So it's like, mm. mm-hmm. how much of this do we really have input on that it's not being contorted by whatever company this is underneath? You're right. You're absolutely right. It's always something. It's always something. But like, did you guys have any last thoughts that you want to touch on? or anything I feel like we talked about a lot of different stuff we did which is amazing like this is just so cathartic and like I just want to like thank you for giving us the space to talk about this obviously like we have our own individual conversations right like Mm -hmm. you know Sydney you and Rodney and then me and Rodney and then me and you like everyone has kind of their own individual Mm -hmm. connections and then we come together Mm -hmm. um but you know, being able to have a platform to express, you know, the grievances, celebrate the the positive things, you know, mm-hmm. um, commemorate the wins and the progress that we've all had individually um, is great. It's a great feeling. And to be here, especially because, you know, or at least I, I can speak for myself, like being, you know, where I'm from, being from where I'm from and, you know, growing up the way I did, like, I'm not supposed to be here Statis- mm-hmm. statistically and based on, you know, my background and I'm not supposed to be here. And so like, that's a blessing. Like I'm blessed mm-hmm. every day. Um, I'm grateful for, for, for being able to, to, to get to this point and to talk about it. Right. And, and mm-hmm. to have shared experiences and, you know, mentors and colleagues and friends that like I trust and can, can discuss this with. So thank you for the space. <laughs> Always. Yeah, thank Always. you very much. I think it's um, cathartic was the right word. Jen, because it's just kind of like this feels good just to be able to talk about it in this space. And I think mm-hmm. whether, you know, all the shit that we've been through, all of the discrimination and the politics, the political games um, and the being passed over and, you know, questioning if we were good enough, if our feelings were valid, if we mm-hmm. belonged in these spaces, we know mm-hmm. we fucking belong in these spaces. And now I think we've all reached points where we know that we belong and we're thriving and we're doing mm-hmm. good work and we're proud of the work we're doing. We know how to separate our lives from our, our work, our livelihoods from our work, um, but we can still come together and talk about things and talk mm-hmm. about the experiences that we've had, um, the, the negatives and the positives. And I think that that's a beautiful thing. So. Yes, I I agree with all of that. See, see, I, I knew I was doing something right when I was like, hey, y'all, y'all want to come on my podcast? Like, we can talk real quick. But seriously, I am so happy that you guys were here and you guys shared about your backgrounds and touched on more of those experiences that you've had. Just because, like you said, we don't, we we hear from people about this, but just having that conversational element, like we just see the stats. Black people don't feel seen. We don't feel represented. Like, what's the actual story behind it? 
and why but you know if y'all have any experiences listeners feel free to dm us or share in the comments but moving on to the final segment of the show we have you are drove so for my non St. Louisans, you know, drove is very much a term for when you thought something was going to work out in your favor, and it did not. We've all been there, but this week's You Are Drove goes to the Crizzlies. I don't know if you guys watched Crizzly Knows Best, but you know, I was a fan. I don't know who you're talking about. I don't know who you're talking about. I like that show, but uh, Todd and Julie. We're sentenced to 12 and seven years for fraud and tax evasion after a decade of ascending to celebrity status, um, you know, thanks to their hit show. But they <laughs> one thing I can honestly say about some of these people by some, I mean, they like fraud. They go, they love a little bit of fraud. And that's exactly what Todd and Julie were doing um, this week. You know, I'd seen the news stories about them being sentenced and so forth. And so I was curious and I was like, okay, I see a few podcasts like um, New York Times and some other different shows like going more in depth to the case. And baby, they've been doing fraud for a while. Like before they were even offered the opportunity of having a reality television show. And you know, again, this is the well-known chaotic Southern family. They are full of hilarity and one-liners. The show aired back in 2014. Again, very quirky, goofy. The show was focused around Todd, uh, the father figure of the family, and him being this real estate tycoon and how he had just kind of, you know, been a self-made man and funded this lifestyle. They they driving around in BMWs, Bentleys. They have this huge estate. I believe they're one of their first homes was like in Georgia, but humongous. And, you know, even then they're, they're Christians, they're good old Southern Christians. Um, But they're a blended family. Todd and Julie have three children. And then Todd has his two older children um, from his first marriage, which he was divorced from his wife. And even then, you know, they kind of touched on different things that had happened in their family that other families could relate to. Like, they just had not so much had this ideal family, but just still very much wealthy, had a had a very curated image, as I should say, but everything was not cracked up as it should have been. Um what 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 you about it goes it goes back to our topic, performative versus authentic. It was uh it was very performative very performative and the performativeness was done by the trillions by the boatload so what I got from listening to this podcast I think it's called Scamfluencers but they have a two-part series where they talk about the Grizzlies and it started back when Julie and Todd first got together and were like a smaller younger family like Todd wanted to make that money then and again his background was in real estate but he and his business partner you know what they what they alluded to what they tried to make it seem like is that all of their wealth 
um, came from his real estate background. When in reality, he and his business partner, who later accused Todd of committing adultery with him, holding up the thing, he claimed they had an affair. Together, um, they forge and falsify documents for loans to be spent on cars, traveling, and buying more real estate. And then even went back and you know, apply for more loans to pay off those other loans. So it just looked like they had all this money coming in when in reality, that was not the case. It was this big, it was a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes, just a lot of craziness. And, you know, even though Todd spoke in the pilot about making millions of dollars and spending six figures on clothes, before even the debut episode aired, some other journalists had did some digging and they even found all of these lawsuits and judgments against the Grizzlies in the past decade that they had been sued and that there were these things that were just not adding up. And at the time they did not have the answers, but you know how with people like things always come up mm-hmm. in the past, but it's like, what's the basis of that? Like, okay, we didn't heard one or two things, but like, Okay, we, we it's shaky, but we're going to let them keep going. And even then, Todd had filed for bankruptcy in 2012. Again, the show did not air until 2014. Like, it was discovered in their case, like, since 2014, they have been defrauding community banks in the Atlanta area to obtain more than $30 million in wow. personal loans prior to the show even being aired so it got worse after the show aired but oh baby they was (laughs) frauding scamming and even then this is sick this how you know they are sick so again as I mentioned before with the Grizzlies very huge emphasis on family even though they all like blended family and so forth they got their own little dirt that was going on in the background. Um, Todd's oldest son had been dealing with some mental health issues and like some uh, issues with addiction. And even, I I forget which season it was, Todd and Julie took in their grandchild just because they're like, you know, we still want her to be in a safe environment. So forth, putting on this image, the son is like, no, my parents, they are evil. (laughs) They are evil. There was even a point in time where Todd was conspiring or alleging that he had dirt on his oldest daughter that she had been committing adultery because she was married as well um yes it was just a lot a lot of stuff going on and even when they were digging more into like some of the fraudulent aspects like their income and stuff oh they were even operating a loan out company which was used by entertainment professionals and earn money from their show and other entertainment venues. But what they did is, you know, when they when the IRS is like, okay, y'all making all of this money and you kind of got all of these little different pockets of companies and so forth that you say you own and that you do business out of, like, we still need the information on this. Like, are you being taxed? Are you paying your taxes on this? Mm-hmm. Oh, baby, why did they um, transfer the loan out company's corporate account to his in his mama name they put it in the, in the granny name in the granny name and they had her up on the stand and she like i don't know what you talking about honey what honey what like they knew what they were doing it is just so crazy how all of these things were being uncovered that they had just 
been scheming and we're continuing to scheme and we're going to continue to do just that until they have been caught. But plenty of lawsuits, plenty of claims filed against them. It just all seemed like it caught up with them finally this summer. But it's just like, oh my God. Crazy work. Crazy, crazy work. Um, no, no well wishes to send to them. Um, that's crazy though. That's crazy. Um, sounds like they got what they deserve. Hate oh yeah. That for them. Hate that for them. Um, but you know, uh, gosh, you know, but- wishing them the worst. I, I, I truly don't know. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, yes. And the thing is, it just speaks to the the power of greed. Like y'all, so yes. damn greedy. You, it's crazy. It's the new crack. It's the new Ronald Reagan put it. Yeah, come on, it's the new crack. It's the new crack because it's so interesting too that these people always think they won't get caught. It's like, no, you're gonna get caught. They just waiting for you to do even more and more so they can build. That is so scary. Like Rodney. Oh, they know. They they knew. Government knew the whole time. It's they just like, knew hey, crazy. Government would be as crazy. They government. knew. <laughs> they knew the entire time, and even then, they like, knew. it's. I feel like it's so much more to their story because even as I was listening to the podcast, I'm like, wait, what? They did what? Like, even at a point in time, you know, their main home was in Georgia, but they kind of relocated for a period of time to Tennessee, and even shot mm-hmm. some of the seasons there and had a home in Tennessee. Nashville, yeah, but guess why they did that? Tennessee doesn't ask for certain documentations about your income. Oh, so <laughs> you know, you know what you were doing. But he's like, okay, we're gonna pack up and move, and it's just gonna seem cute. Like, oh, we just we have all this money, we just decided we can live anywhere and make this work. And of all places, Tennessee, that's nasty work. That's crazy. I, even then, they bought a home in Los Angeles in a, a huge home. I forgot how much they said the home. And the home was being rented out for millions. But even then, you know, I feel like with a lot of couples, like even with Bernie Madoff, I need to watch the series on Netflix about him. But, you know, when you hear a lot about these like fraudsters and so forth, the wife, she's always like, oh, I had no knowledge of my husband was doing this. I had no knowledge. But even with Miss Julie, who who I don't I don't think she ever tried to claim she didn't have any knowledge, but she had her hand in on it because when they went forth with buying a house in California that was going to be rented out for millions, oh Julie, um, you know, she falsified the documents you know- to even obtain the house. And then once they stop paying on the house and the previous homeowner kind of realized what was going on. He was like, I'm taking y'all last to court and I'm filing claims. We got and it. I was trying to pay them off. Like, well, we got the money now. We can just pay you in a lump sum. And he's like, no, 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 no. Cause my payments, the, they've garnered interest. You've missed these. Like now something has to be done, but you just, you ducking and dodging all of these people. And it's just like, Again, like you said, Rodney, how long did y'all think y'all were going to get away with this? Did you ever think? And then the Grizzlies, even outside of having their TV show, they have a podcast. Not multiple streams of income. Oh, yes. Multiple streams of income still frauding. You had every 
point in time that you could have just turned this around. Like, you know, we go stop with this. We make enough money from the TV show. We're just going to live off this and hopefully get some more sponsorships and do some other things. But now nah, y'all still wanted to live lavishly and live wealthy and put on this fake hey that it finally caught up with you. Sick. Again. Again. Sick. Sick of the sickest. Like, but you know what, though? Again, the audacity. They, if, if if anybody go do it, it's gonna be them. Would I ever yeah. try to do that? Hell no. Nah. I, I just apply for a PPP loan, go to Dubai or something, buy some Beyonce tickets. I'm I not gonna create a fuss. I'm not gonna draw any attention to myself. When I get my money, I'm getting out of the way. I'm not getting a TV show and bragging on it and all of these other things. Nah, I'm exactly. not gonna do that. But that even now, what's crazy is I believe um the daughter that they have I think is she older or I don't know if she's older but even then they talked about how the daughter made a post on Instagram and was like justice is gonna be served because justice was not served in my parents case they were caught stealing because they were and they asses are going to jail like what do you mean justice was not served like what like like what like like, what are you talking? Like, girl, hush. Let me see if I can even find it. Because, you guys, I was reading it in tears. Like, literally, the daughter was really thinking she was making some sort of, like, statement. Like, oh, my gosh, my mom. Like, it was something about, like, yes, Savannah Crisley shares tribute to imprisoned mom. Even the word in prison. Like, that. <laughs> That don't even sound nice. right. Like, literally, what did she say? We'll forever fight for this smile. I love you, mama. God is with us. Citing the verse Matthew chapter one, verse 23. Like, oh my gosh. That, like. Get a grip. Like, get a grip. Be for real. Be very nonfiction right now. What are you talking about? I, I just want to. I just went on their Instagram pages and see like some of the last posts they got the Todd and Julie is just like stuff from their pastor and like quotes and stuff. And I'm just like, that's how you know they go into jail. They pulling the pastors out. Like we still good Mm -hmm. Christians. No, you're fraudulent Christians. (laughs) You are fraudulent Christians. Very much that. Literally. Oh my gosh. I wish I could. Oh, I'm going to send y'all this thing. Look, this is cool. You know what? Again, one thing they gonna always have is audacity. She literally posted this picture of her mom. Will forever fight for this smile. I love you, mama. Like you were really, you really would think her mom really did. Your mother committed fraud. Like she is going to jail. But even me, and I feel like when people commit fraud, they're not putting you in. You're not going in, into like jail, jail. Like, this is very, what is it, like, white-collar crime? I was about to say, like, cushy jail, like, very yeah. much that. Like, you're not going to real, like, relax, like, wipe your tears. You're not going to the slammer for real. Like, relax. You're going to Weenie Hut Jr. I cannot And if anything, you're, she's not going to serve. She's not going to serve the entire time, I'm, I'm sure, even though they've convicted her. She's not going to serve the entire time. No, it's actually sick. Like, come on. I, I've had enough, honestly. Like, please. What do you... 
also, sorry, like unrelated. This is very unrelated, but you know mm-hmm. what? It's what's really sick. Mm-hmm. The fact that I'm looking on GoPuff and um, graham crackers are six dollars. Six dollars. Oh my god! Like six USD. Like I, I, I'm not, I'm not tracking. Like take me to the sales section since I want to fuck around. Like <laughs> this is insane. I call it now when people ask me about money. I'm like Biden bucks. I'm like Joe Biden bucks for real. Like, Bro. Honestly, the concept of money is crazy, but don't get me started because that's what I used to, um, what's the call it? That's what I used to like feel better about my credit cards. Like actually money's not real. My therapist therapist was like, technically you are right, but, um, I want me, me using Apple Pay, just like you, it's on my, it's my phone, it's my play card. Cause what? It's on my phone. It's not even. I'm not even holding a real card. I'm just putting play my card phone up to nuts, it. and I want you to know that. Um, <laughs> me, me using Apple Pay. I'm like, somebody, shut somebody, come on. Lit, literally. If anything, you know what, everybody. If you can get away with it, commit just a l- little acts of fraud. Little acts of fraud. Don't do anything big like the Grizzlies. Get away with the small acts. Just little stuff. Little bitty stuff that you know for sure you can get away with. And, you know, nobody's going to do anything. A little fraud has has never hurt anybody. It's the big ones. It's the big ones. It's the big big ones is nuts. I want you to know that. I want you to know that. Like it's nuts. I know it's nuts, but I still, we got to have a little bit of fun in this life. And the little bit of joy I'm going to get out of it might have to come from fraud. I'm serious. I am so serious. I am genuinely not mad about it. Me, again, that's literally me using my credit card for anything. Like, like, you know, die tomorrow. So like, actually, that is my rationale for every. I've been trying to get a $3.99 tip for what? Sorry, I'm looking at GoPuff again. For what? $3.99 for what? So I can ask you to bring it up to my apartment and you leave it in the lobby and then I can't contact <laughs> customer service? Get out of here. Get out of here. <laughs> I am a week, but you guys, that is it for this week's episode. I feel like we had a blast, you know, just talking our shit per usual. But thank you guys so much for joining me. Yes, thank you guys so much for joining me. Um. Please tell my guests where they can find you. If you want to be found, if you don't want to be found, that's that's cool too. That's cool too. Um, I mean, I will be looking at profiles closely upon request, but if you, I'm like because I don't need folks from my past life trying to follow, like, especially from high school. Ooh, ooh. I, me personally, um, that's part of my life. Um, I am weak. We, with that season uh got pulled from syndication we don't we don't talk about it but <laughs> at jennifer v fowler f-r-w-l-e-r that's where you can find me on most places rodney rodney pruitt on linkedin you can start there uh the professional that's crazy. uh but i i see and that i'm so bad at social media i don't be posting enough i believe it's rod squad 90 on both <laughs> twitter and instagram we love mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm, I believe. Mm-hmm. So. Look, 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 look. I'm, I'm going to put that little, that little information details that they share. But like I said, you guys, that's it for this week's episode. Ciao.
Ciao. Are we Ciao. getting? Thanks for listening to Annoyed Not Offended with See It. Have a question or interested in sharing an annoyance of your own to be read on the show? Email annoyednotoffended at gmail.com. Also, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Annoyed Not Offended for more hilarious content and updates on the show. And please leave us a positive review on iTunes. Until next time, bye.